0: Good morning, South Valley. It is great to see you. Thank you for joining us this morning. From wherever you are, we are together, and we can praise God. We want to just welcome you as part of our service this morning. As you're watching us online, maybe you go to our Lemoore campus on a regular basis. Maybe you're part of our Porterville campus, and maybe you're just tuning in for the very first time, but we want to welcome you, and we believe that there is a God who is worthy of praise in all circumstances. So where you are, we want you to interact with us. You can put comments down. You can put some icons down of hearts or praise hands or amens, whatever you want. As we worship the Lord, we want you to be part of what we're doing here, All every house coming to your feet, giving God praise with the songs we're singing. So let's go, come on.
1: you do not faint you won't grow weary
0: you're the defender of the weak you comfort those in need you lift us up on weak Amen, amen, give the Lord a shout out, amen. He is worthy of praise. We wanted to share a song with you this morning and many of you have heard this song and you can lift it up because it's a reminder of the constance of God. It is rooted in scripture. These words out of Psalms tells us this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen.
2: I was sure by now. God Stepped in to save the day, but once again I say amen, and it's still raining. And as a thund- takes away can't find you as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through the rain I'm with you as your mercy falls I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away praise you in this storm and I will lift my hands for you are who you are no matter where I am and every tear I've cried you hold in your hand you never left my side though my heart is
1: Crazy.
0: Heavenly Father, let us be reminded of that. That even in the darkest of places, you are worthy of praise. Lord, there's nothing you can't handle. There's nothing you don't see. So every place that we are, every place that we are seeing this service, Lord, let you move in a way that would draw us to you. That would restore our faith in you. That would drive out fear that would put all hope and trust in you, Lord. Because in all circumstances, you do not change. You are the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So regardless of the storms of life, Lord, you will pull us through because you are a God who is faithful. You are a God who is a deliverer. You are a God who moves in great and mighty ways. So we thank you for this opportunity to praise your name. And we look forward to how you're going to move this morning, Lord. Pray for every heart to be drawn to you. For those who don't know your son, Lord, to be drawn to you. That they would want to know who Christ is and the love you have for them. And their lives would be forever impacted and changed. So again, all honor and glory go to you, our Heavenly Father. In your name we pray. Amen.
3: Amen, y'all. Thank you so much, South Valley, for joining us online. You know, I know that we would much rather be together in the worship center, getting our little coffee on, get a little handshake in, our praise on, get that donut afterwards. But I know that Sunday mornings just looks a little different, you know, these days, and we're just rolling with the punches. And, you know, I just wanted to come to y'all this morning uh, just with um, a a bit of encouragement Uh, as I was spending time in God's word this week, uh, he brought to mind uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 12, and it says this. It's from Paul, and it says, to be joyful in hope, to be patient in affliction, and to be faithful in prayer. And and y'all, when I read that, I just just felt, man, what a timely verse for what it is that we're enduring right now as a world with COVID-19. And so, we here at South Valley, we we are so deeply committed as a staff to ensuring that people have the opportunity to be led into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we are, are continuing with services online and with the resources that we've got to enable people to have that opportunity to know how to grow in their relationship with God so that they can be joyful in hope so that they can be patient in affliction and so that they can be faithful in prayer and so with that said we want to challenge you in a few ways this week three ways specifically the first way we want to challenge you to pray and so we're calling our church to pray 6 30 a.m or 6:30 p.m daily you could choose a time. It could be both times. Whatever you feel comfortable doing by yourself, with family, with you. You can call a friend and you can pray together. We are just calling people to pray, to be a church uh, of believers, of body believers, to pray for healing in our land, uh, for wisdom, for those who are working hard in the midst of all that's happening with COVID 19, uh, to be praying for comfort for families and those who are enduring the illness. And just with all the challenges that we're facing as a world right now, we're just calling us, South Valley, to a, a posture of prayer. And so that's our first challenge to you. 6 30 p.m. or a.m., you make the choice on how you want to operate there. The second way is we want to encourage you to also be uh, connected. And, you know, we are in isolated situations right now and trying to honor, you know, the the rules that have been put into place by the government, and we want to honor that. But we also have opportunities to remain connected even in the midst of that. And so, you are watching this online right now. If you're not already connected to our social media, we want to direct you to Facebook, South Valley Community Church Lemoore. Give us a like there or go to Instagram. You can uh, engage with us there as well. It's at svcclemore.org is our handle for that. And we've got a variety of opportunities for you to engage in God's word with devotions that we're doing. Uh, Pastor John and Amy have been doing live worship sessions from their home uh, through our social media. There's just so many ways for you to stay connected and for you to make sure that you're getting uh, the opportunities to be rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. And so those are some ways uh, for you to stay connected. That's the second challenge. And then the third one is let's be strong and committed in our giving because it is in our ability to give that we are coming alongside the work of Jesus, to spread the gospel, to give the truth, to give um, the love that is needed so much in this world today. And so we're going to put on the screen different ways for you to be able to uh, continue in your offering. Uh, we have the means to do that online. Go to our website, svcclamore.org. You can click uh, the top button. You'll see one that says donate. So you want to click that. You can also text your offering to us and the numbers there available for you as well. And then you can always just mail your tithe check to our church office our church office is located on the church grounds. It's the home that's on the property, 25 Willow Drive. And so we have the address there as well for you to see if you want to go ahead and send that through the mail or if you want to come drop it off uh, in the in front of the church office, we've got a, a mailbox available for that as well. And so that said, everybody, we just wanted to challenge you with those three things to continue to engage in those spiritual disciplines. And as you continue in this service this morning, we pray that it is such a blessing to you that you are filled with hope so that as we engage in the world, around us with what's happening right now, that see, people will see our response and see Jesus in our response. Thank you so much for joining us again, y'all. We hope that y'all have a wonderful morning. Well, hey, good morning, South Valley. Uh, whether you're
4: here in Lamar or in Porterville or wherever else you're watching from, maybe over in Scotland even, or some friends in Kenya, uh, welcome to ourselves here in Lamar. There, there are many images that we will remember for years to come as we think about the coronavirus pandemic. Images of like nurses and doctors in full protective gear as they're testing people and serving people in hospitals and our hearts go out to all health officials and practitioners at this moment. But images of people in local supermarkets shopping with face masks on and trying to stay six feet apart or blue lines in stores as we stand six feet apart waiting to take our, our, our takeaway food or the shopping malls and the streets empty as people stay at home, and then there's this image that 's on the screen <laughs> yeah uh, I, I was I was trying to get the staff to agree to like a toilet paper giveaway like for the staffer who had maybe like the most likes or positive comments on their Facebook postings, you know, like when John and Amy do worship on Tuesday evenings or Thursday mornings, or Frank does Bible study on Thursday night, and Dorian and Ali as they lead the youth, or Ron and Reagan with with the kids. And, And then I sort of changed it and said, well, maybe not give the toilet paper to the person with the most likes, but what about if we give the toilet paper to the person who gets the most negative comments, just to cheer them up? But then, you see, I would win that one. Like, I would get a year's supply of toilet paper if that was a competition, because you guys are way too touchy about my jokes. Jokes about the Dodgers, the Raiders, cats, blondes, Son of Baptists. In fact, most of my humor, come to think about it, you guys don't get. You've got to laugh a little, folks, particularly in my line of work as a pastor. So, In the end, no toilet paper competition, okay? But day one of stay-at-home quarantine, I stocked up on non-perishable foods and supplies to last us for like months, maybe even years, so that I was determined to remain in isolation for as long as it takes to see out this pandemic. I'm going to stay away from people and avoid any chance of infection day one. Day two, I had to go back to the supermarket because I wanted a Twix, (laughs) you know, and now now that we have everybody washing their hands correctly, next week we're going to work on turn signals, I hope, and then the last photograph, okay, I saw this here online and I thought that was funny, I'm going to Costco, and it's like like a war when you enter into Vons or wherever your supermarket is, and... uh, Crazy times, but you've got to laugh a little bit. A welcome to week number two of SVCC Online. And folks, it could be for a few more weeks anyway. And we're still in this series, two-part series, last week and this week, on the topic of hope. The human spirit can survive just about anything, but it cannot survive the loss of hope. All human beings are hopers. I mean, hope is why people get married, and hope is why people have children, and hope is why people pay to send their kids to college, and hope is why people support the Dodgers, and hope is why people pay for makeovers or self-help books or play the stock market. Hope is why people go on blind dates. It's also why we read the Scriptures. It's why we attend church services. We hope it's right in our DNA. The human spirit can cannot survive the loss of hope. We are by design hopers. And hope is always the basis for perseverance. Why do I persevere? Because I have hope. Like, why is the farmer just now in the valley pruning and spraying their trees? Because they have hope that the blossoms are going to give way to the thinning, which is going to give way to the fruit, and then give way to the harvest. And why does the the character George on Seinfeld always keep asking women on dates? Because he was hoped. Or why do thousands of weird people stand in line and audition a mere 90 seconds for America's Got Talent? Well, because they've got hope. And why did thousands of Raiders fans stand in line just a few weekends ago to buy tickets for the 2020-2021 season? Because they were drunk. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry folks. But by design, we are hopers. It's how God has made us. So, last week we met Martha and Mary and Lazarus in John's Gospel chapter 11. And last week, Lazarus got sick, and the pigeon mail to Jesus came, and Jesus waited for two days. And by the time he arrives to Lazarus, Lazarus has been dead. In fact, if you look at John chapter 11 verse 17, it says he's been dead for four days. Now, The Jews had a belief that when someone died, the soul of the deceased person hovered around the body, seeking re-entry, and it hovered for three days. On the fourth day, when it sees the color of the face has changed, then it goes away and it leaves. So, the text says, dead four days decomposition has commenced. Lazarus is dead, dead. Now, why is this in the text? Is it to show us that the only hope for Lazarus was a divine act of power? Yes, but more, It's in the text to get us to begin to place over this text the conviction that there is another reality. Something begins to rise off the narrative, words that are not normal words. Jesus says, verse 23, your brother will rise again. And Martha She's thinking that he's talking about the end of time and the widely held Jewish belief of life after death. Yeah, I know, like Martha's thinking, I know that on that bright and blessed morn, on some glad morning, but but Jesus continues, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, will live, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe me? Hope is the conviction that there is another reality, and that other reality, the kingdom of God, is not something only delayed until some final day when the last trumpet sounds, and that's going to be a great day, but hope is the conviction that this other reality a different reality, a different reality to time and space and earth and humanity and disease and despair, even death. This other reality has broken through now. Like right now into the ordinary has come extraordinary, and right now into the natural has come supernatural. It has broken through now to birth the eternal, and it's here. And hope is the conviction that that other reality is here now. So, let me ask you, do you believe in the kingdom of God right now in your living room, right now today for your life, for your family, for your circumstances, for your business, for your purpose, for your calling? Do you have that hope? Do you believe that there's a different reality than just the reality of waking up and going to work and eating and finishing work and going home and watching TV and going to bed and doing it day in, day out, day in, day out. A few years ago, I sat through one of the most compelling Easter services I've ever attended. You guys know I used to, when I wasn't here, I would attend First Presbyterian Church in San Luis Obispo. And I was at their Easter service, and I think I was the youngest person in the building. And the preacher was a pastor who wore a long black robe, and he was well into his 80s. And we'd sung old hymns and old choruses, and, and I loved it. But then he rose, and he gets to the podium and this pastor preached an Easter line I will never forget. Are you ready? Here's the line. Easter is the terrifying realization that death is not the end. Wow! like it hit me between the eyes. And I've preached about 30 Easter Sunday services, but that was a new thought and a brilliant thought for people who live careless and carefree, for people who live for themselves, for people who live only for today, but also for people who believe in God but live only believing in themselves, or for people who claim to follow Jesus, but that Jesus seems to always be agreeing with their viewpoint. If Easter doesn't terrify you, then you don't understand Easter because Easter is the terrifying realization that death is not the end. Now, we could preach that, okay? But it's not Easter Sunday and we're not going to preach that, okay? But you've got to begin to process that in your head. There is something more this is not everything. There is another reality, a reality that says life is not determined by the number of years you live before you die, a reality that says a virus does not define us or fear us or numb us or beat us. See, when I've been stuck in the house all week, I'm getting agitated preaching, and I've got to sit in a stool today. John chapter 11, There's a dead man, Lazarus, and he's dead, dead, dead for four days. There's a friend, Martha, and she's believing in the bright and blessed morning one day by and by, and at the end of ages, her brother will one day rise like all Jews believed. And there's Mary, the woman who had poured perfume on Jesus' feet uh, back in verse 2 of John chapter 11. And I want you to notice Mary's first words to Jesus chapter 11, verse 32, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And if you and I had been there, I think that might have been the words I would have said as well. But I need you to see that these are not words of hope. Sometimes we confuse Optimism with hope. Martin Luther King said there's a tremendous difference between optimism and hope. Optimism is the belief in progress, things are going to get better. Optimism fixes its eyes on what is seen. We believe that there will be progress, there will be a vaccination found, there will be medicines produced that conquer the COVID-19 virus. That's optimism. Mary and Martha had been holding on to optimism. They believed that if Jesus had walked up the driveway to their home four days earlier while Lazarus was just sick, not dead, they believed that Jesus could have fixed it. But that was then. You see, optimism fixes its eyes on what is seen, but hope fixes its eyes on what is not yet seen. And what was now seen was a dead body and a late Jesus. And for Mary, as for Martha, their optimism had gone. Optimism is always pretty shaky ground. Optimism can easily get disillusioned. Optimism is restricted to what you can see and understand. Hope, said Martin Luther King, is the conviction that there is another reality, and hope is not restricted to what is seen. Therefore, hope is not shaky ground, but solid ground. Mary and Martha are now in deep sorrow, along with the others who'd come to visit. In fact, verse 33, it says, Mary was weeping. And the story quickly heads towards a very powerful short verse, verse 35, Jesus wept. These tears are not sorrow tears for a dear friend. He knew he was going to raise him. Nor are they anger tears, angry with the unbelief of people around him. These are disappointment tears. Elsewhere in the Gospels, when Jesus wept, it was always related to the failure of people, particularly His followers, to recognize His mission, and that God's Son was in their midst. Jesus weeps when followers of Christ, Christians who have stepped by faith and trust into this new reality, into the kingdom of God. And yet, although they've taken that step, they live restricted by the scene, and they do not live free and vibrant knowing that this new reality, the kingdom of God is here, and it's going to prevail. Okay, got to keep moving. Jesus comes, and He stands at the face of the tomb, and He says, verse 39, remove the stone. (laughs) And and Martha's back, and she says, but Lord, by this time, there's a bad odor, for He's been there four days. But watch what Jesus prays, verse 41. So, they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father… I thank you that you have heard me. What? Wait, 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 wait. Lazarus hasn't stepped out. That's verse 43 after Jesus tells him to come out. But verse 41 clearly says that Jesus prays and thanks God that he's heard him, thanking God that he's heard him and that Lazarus is alive. How did he know Lazarus was alive? Well, there's no odor. His body is whole. Again, you've read the narrative with me. So, when Jesus says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, when did Jesus pray? Not since he arrived in Bethany. It's been one grieving woman after another. Remember those two days, last week's message, when he waited before coming? N.T. Wright suggests that the implication of the text is most likely that during those two silent days on the other side of the Jordan, he wasn't doing nothing. He was doing what mattered most. He was praying. And church family, let's be people of prayer at this point. You heard Marcus talk about, you know, 6.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m., either you know in the morning or in the evening or both times just wherever you are just quiet in your heart and just god heal our land god come and save us at this time and not just our land but the world you know we got huge concerns about if this virus hits the slums of kenya and our friends in faraha are really anxious and all we can do is pray folks but we have to do it so you know 6:30 a.m. 6:30 p.m. or both times just quiet in your heart and just call out to God for healing of our nation healing of our land healing from this virus and, and Jesus speaks come out lazarus and the text says he comes out alive and well easter is the terrifying realization that death is not the end bishop ken ulmer of faithful central bible church in la he's a great preacher and pastors at a mainly african american congregation and they meet in the forum where the lakers used to play basketball back when the lakers used to play basketball okay <laughs> sorry guys he tells the story of two men who were at an art museum, and they see this painting of a chess game. And the players in this painting that now they stood before had one individual who looked much like an ordinary person, while the other player was kind of a character who resembled the devil himself. And the scene portrayed the man down to his last piece on the chessboard. All he's got left is the king, and the title of the painting is called Checkmate. And Bishop Ulmer says that one of the two men looking at the painting was an international chess champion, and something about the painting intrigued him. He began to study it, and he gets so engrossed in it that the other man just kind of grows impatient and walks away. You know, what are you are doing? Well, the man says, there's something about this painting that bothers me, and I don't yet know what it is, but you go ahead and wander around. I'm going to catch you up. And he stays behind, and he stares, studying and studying the picture. And his head starts nodding, and his hands start moving. And when his friend gets back to him, he shouts out, I've got it! We have to locate the artist who painted this painting and tell him he either has to change the painting or change the title. But I've studied this painting, and I have determined that there's something wrong with this painting, and I'm an international chess champion. Well, what's wrong, his buddy asks him. Well, it's called Checkmate. But the title misreads the board, because in reality, the king still has one more move to make. Now, when Bishop Ken told this story at his church in LA, his African-American congregation, the king still has one more move. (laughs) The place just went crazy. It explodes with noise and celebration. This is Lamar. So, when we get excited, all we do is nod But I want to tell you, in case you're wondering, in case you might otherwise miss it, that was the good news part right there. The king still has one more move. A little boy named David was up against a giant named Goliath. He tries on Saul's armor on him, but Saul is 52 long and David is 36 short, and the odds look really bad. It looks like checkmate. But the king… The king still has one more move. A man named Daniel is thrown into a den of lions because he refused to stop praying to his God. And the lions are hungry, and Daniel is in there all night. And at the first light of dawn, the the concerned Darius calls down, and Daniel tells him that the lions have been put onto a low-protein diet, and he's doing fine. He's still praying because the king... Still has one more move. A man named Moses convinces a nation of oppressed slaves to run away from the most powerful man on earth. And Pharaoh sets out after them and he finds them stuck standing on the shore with the Red Sea in front of them and rumbling chariots coming up from the rear. And all the Egyptians are singing in unison, Checkmate! And the people say to Moses, What were you thinking? And Moses says to God, What were you thinking? And it looks pretty bad, but the king still has one more move. Stay with me, stay with me. Get ready to jump off your couch or your sofa. If if you're still in bed, jump off your. I'm going to jump off the stool, okay? On Good Friday. They tried Jesus and they judged Jesus and they whipped Jesus and they beat Jesus and they mocked Jesus and they scorned Jesus and they hung Jesus on a cross to die and they laid Jesus in a box to rot the way that every human body has rotted since death first entered the sorry dark world. And the prince of this world, the devil himself, he began shouting, Checkmate! But God the Father, he raised his voice, and he shouted, not so fast. The king still has one more move, and Jesus blasts the door off of death inviting any of us and all of us who follow Him to never have to settle for an eternity buried in a box along with all of our hopes, all of our dreams, all of our loves, all of our ambitions buried with us. So, whatever challenge you may be facing, starting with the coronavirus and its powerful invisible grip, or maybe it's a work challenge you have, or maybe it's just trying to keep going as every single day is a struggle, or maybe you're in a marriage that's falling apart or has already fallen apart, or maybe there is a son or a daughter or somebody that you love and you're struggling and they're estranged from you, or maybe it's the financial pressures that are mounting. Maybe you've said things you should never have said and you're struggling to take the words back, or maybe you've done the wrong thing or said the wrong thing or made a mistake that feels so big, could never be redeemed, never be forgiven. Maybe a life is just tired and monotonous and dreary and dull and hopeless. Whatever you face, whether it's today and all that's happening with a global pandemic, whatever it is, the promise of Jesus, the promise of Jesus is not the promise of optimism. It's the promise of hope. It's the promise that even if it feels like checkmate, things are only going to get worse. You've got no other moves to make. The king, that would be my king. I hope he's your king. King Jesus, the king, still has one more move. And I'm holding on to Him making that move. Hold on with me. And trust Him. And place your hope in the King. Let's close with prayer. Father, it feels sometimes that it's checkmate. And we don't know how to get out of the circumstances or the situation that we're in. We feel powerless. We feel stuck. But we're going to lift our voices to you. We're going to place our hope and our faith in you that you still have one more move. That with you, there's never checkmate, it's never over because you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the God who is our Savior. We wait for your salvation to be revealed, and we do not lose heart, but we hope in Christ. In His name we pray. Amen. Well, That was a bit like an Easter service preach, but it's not Easter yet. So next Sunday, make sure you join us online as we go into Palm Sunday and get ready for Easter celebration. Take care, folks. Stay safe this week. And we'll see you in a week's time. God bless.